You are listening to the Well and Simple Podcast with your host, Marissa Zabo. Hello, and welcome to the Well and Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Zabo, and today, after two weeks of having really amazing guests, you are stuck with just me. Sorry about that. But we have a really good topic to talk about today. So today's topic actually came from a listener um, who wanted me to talk a little bit more about a concept that has come up in, a, I think, every one of the episodes so far. And that is the concept of moralizing foods. Um, I've been told that that word moralizing is where my accent comes out. So I apologize for that if having a Massachusetts accent grates your teeth. Um, but moralizing foods is um, what this person requested that I talk a little bit more about. And I think this is actually a really good time of year to be discussing this because we just wrapped up Halloween and we are heading into the holiday season when we are going to be faced with a lot of treats and goodies and we're going to be hearing a lot of moralization of foods. So let's start with what, what is it? What is moralizing food? What does that mean? Um, so basically it's that food is a good food and that food is a bad food. That's it. (laughs) It's that simple. That's really what I'm referring to. And my guests have been referring to when you hear us say, well, when you're moralizing your food, basically you're categorizing foods into two categories, bad foods, and good foods, right? Obviously the, or maybe not obviously, um, the undertone being that bad foods are foods that you shouldn't eat. They're the foods that are high in sugar or are greasy or are simple carbohydrates. And good foods are foods like fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and foods that you should be eating all the time, right? They're the quote unquote healthful foods and the bad foods are the quote unquote unhealthy foods, right? So good food versus bad food. This is something you hear about a lot. And it feels good to us, right? So we, as humans, we like really like dichotomies, right? Um, Even if they're false. So, you know, black, white, good, bad, right, wrong, male, female. We like to be able to lump things into two separate categories, even if it is inaccurate or doesn't actually reflect reality. Um, And that is, there's no exception when it comes to this whole good food, bad food concept here. Um, The fact of the matter is that um, there's no such thing as a good food or a bad food. Okay. Let me repeat that. There's no such thing as a good food or a bad food. There's also no such thing as a superfood, but that's something for a completely different episode. We'll get into that later. Um, And I know some of you are probably at this point saying, what the hell do you mean? There's no such thing as a bad food, Marissa. Have you ever heard of French fries? Have you ever heard of pizza? Those are bad foods, okay? They're not bad foods. They're just food. 
There's no such thing as a good food or a bad food. Everything is just food. Okay. The only bad foods are foods that are expired and are going to give you food poisoning if you consume them. Okay. That's a bad food, but there is nothing inherently bad, inherently wrong, inherently immoral about foods. There just isn't. What is a problem is when you overconsume certain foods, when those foods crowd out the more healthful foods from our diet, then we have not so good health outcomes, right? And you can call them bad health health outcomes as well. So it's not the food that's the problem. It's that the poison is in the dose, right? And when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Having French fries on occasion isn't going to do you any harm. But if you were to eat French fries every single day with two out of three meals, you might start seeing some effects that you don't like from consuming French fries that often. Okay. So we need to stop using this, this categorization. Okay. There's, there's, we just need to let go of this whole concept of bad foods. Okay. And the reason for that, not only is because it's not true, uh, but there's actually a lot of problems that come with moralizing our foods. And I'm going to talk a little bit about each of those. There's so much more to discuss about this, this concept and its implications because they really, they really are um, very far reaching and they have really deep roots. Um, so this isn't really the venue for me to be able to get super deep, super heavy into this. Um, but I definitely want to talk about what the different problems are that come from moralizing your foods in this way. So there are a couple really significant issues that arise from moralizing our food. And the first one is what happens when we start internalizing that concept of good food versus bad food. Um, So essentially what this means is that line of thinking where, you know, if I eat a food that is a bad food, then that must reflect on me as a person and therefore I'm a bad person. So that might sound a little bit ridiculous and oversimplistic. (laughs) Um, And it is oversimplistic. That's not like the way any human directly thinks. Um, But let me, let me elaborate a little bit. Let me kind of illustrate for you. So I'm going to give you a couple of common thoughts, and these might sound familiar to you. Um, So just to start with, I had a cheat day. I fell off the wagon. I'm being bad today, right? All of these things being said as you reach for a slice of cake or you have some more Halloween candy or you put some extra gravy on your turkey, whatever it is. Then the next thought is, 
well, I just have no self-control. What is wrong with me? Why can't I stick to this diet? I'm such a failure. Do those sound familiar to you at all? I'm willing to bet that for at least some of you, those thoughts have definitely crossed your mind at some point or another in your life as you are eating some of the foods that you view as quote unquote bad foods. And that is the internalization process. So it's not this very overly simplified, I ate a bad food, so I'm a bad person. It's, I ate a bad food, there's something wrong with me because I can't only eat healthy foods, right? So it's really, really easy for these types of sentiments and characterizations about food to trickle down into describing ourselves. Right. So trickle down economics didn't work, um, but trickle down moralization of foods does. Right. It trickles down into our feelings about ourselves. And this is problematic because this is what feeds that that self-defeating cycle, that downward spiral. You know, you feel like you're doing good for a little while and then you eat this bad food and then you start having these really negative thoughts about yourself, about your progress, about your abilities. I can't do this. I'm a failure. What's wrong with me? And the almost inevitable next step, or it, I guess it feels inevitable for a lot of people, the, the next logical step in that progression from I'm a failure is why the hell should I bother? I give up. I'm just never going to be able to do this, right? That's that self-defeat. And so that is really a big reason why the moralization of food is such a huge problem because it really feeds into this erosion of our self-confidence and our self-esteem. And it really creates this very intense self-defeat. And this is a great thing for the diet industry, right? Because the diet industry counts on that negative cycle, right? They create these unsustainable habits that people cannot stick to because we're not designed to, because those habits were not designed to be stuck to by human beings. And they're designed to encourage that self-defeating language, that negative self-talk so that you do give up. And then in a couple months time, you're right back at it again. And so that is how the diet industry has employed the moralization of foods to help them make more money. And of course, or maybe not of course, but you know, we now know from plenty of science that it's actually the process of losing and regaining weight and yo-yo dieting and restriction and binging that actually has far worse, more, much more far-reaching negative health impacts than simply carrying some quote-unquote extra weight, if you want to see it that way. So that is the first issue with the moralization of food. So now you're at a point where you know that moralizing your food 
has some negative consequences and you want to avoid those consequences and you want to revamp your relationship with food, but you have spent your entire life, like most of us growing up in American society, hearing this messaging around food and really internalizing it. So how are you supposed to reverse that? Well, the first thing that you need to know is it's not going to happen overnight, right? Like you can't unlearn or undo something overnight that you have been taking in for a lifetime. So the first thing is be patient with yourself and recognize that it's a process. You're not going to get it perfect immediately. You're probably never going to get it perfect. Um, here I am. I'm a nutrition coach and I do this for a living and I still find myself having those thoughts where I think, oh gosh, you know, I really shouldn't be eating this or, oh, this really was a bad choice. Um, and I have to catch myself and consciously, um, re rework that reword my choices. Um, when it comes to thinking about these things. So it's a work in progress. We all are. Um, it's kind of like you can say that about anything in life. So the first thing is recognize that it's going to be in a process. And then from there, start paying attention to the language that you use around food. Notice when you're using the word bad, when you're using the word cheat, when you're using the phrase falling off the wagon, when you're using the word can't or failure, right? Start noticing that. And then as you get better at recognizing that in the moment, start flipping that script, right? Start rewriting that. And it literally will take you saying saying the original thing. So for example, saying, oh, I'm cheating today. Consciously recognizing that you just said that. And then instead saying, no, I'm not cheating. I am choosing to eat a food that I enjoy, right? Another example, you know, instead of thinking, I can't have that, think, I don't want to have that right now because in this moment, it's not aligning with my goals, but I have the option to have it another time if I really want to. You see, so not only are you flipping the script here, but you're also giving yourself back that power. It's not that the food has power over you. It's you back in that driver's seat. You are choosing to eat a food that you want and you enjoy, or you are choosing to wait until another time to have a certain food, right? So that is really kind of the key here is, is giving yourself back that power that has really been like taken away from you, um, you know, by diet culture, um, you know, by actual diets that you may have done, you're in charge here. So that's the next thing is paying attention to the language that you use and start getting really intentional about rewriting the words, the language that you're using. From there, give yourself permission to eat the foods you want to eat. Literally say to yourself, Marissa, you are allowed to eat Halloween candy. You are allowed to have dessert. You can eat the damn pumpkin pie, pecan pie, 
apple crisp, whatever the hell it happens to be with the holidays coming up, whatever it is you want to like, literally give yourself permission. And it sounds silly, but it's a really important step. And there's a few reasons for that. The first one is that by giving yourself permission, it removes that draw that the forbidden has, right? You're opening it up as an option for yourself again. And so you're kind of removing that that natural urge that I talked about earlier to want something you can't have even more intensely. It also takes away the stigma around that food that you may have, um, you know, thinking about that food as something that is forbidden, something that you can't or shouldn't have, something that is going to derail you, right? And then it also will help get rid of that feeling of guilt, right? Because we feel guilty when we've classified a food as bad and therefore eating that food as something we shouldn't do. So it removes that guilt factor and it can also eliminate that tendency towards binging when it comes to those forbidden foods um, that so many of us experience. Um, And then finally, and probably most importantly, is it opens up an opportunity for you to learn to trust yourself with food again, right? Just like all of our lives, we hear about foods being good versus bad. All of our lives, we internalize this messaging that we can't be trusted with these types of foods. And that's why we have to go on diets. And that's why we have to go to the gym. And we have to have all of these food rules. But the only reason why we struggle with these foods is because we were told we can't have them in the first place, right? So learning to trust yourself again is really key. Um, And giving yourself permission to have that foods is the first step, right? Because you have to be able to witness yourself eating those foods to learn to trust yourself. And what happens is that as soon as you put that food back on the table as an option that you can have whenever you want it, You don't want it so badly anymore. And you can have one serving of it and be okay with just having that one serving. Whereas if it's something that you recognize as a food you can only have once in a great while, you try to eat as much of it as you possibly can because you don't know how long it's going to be before you can have it again. Right? So being able to allow yourself to eat that food and then see that you can totally handle eating that food without going overboard right? So learning to trust yourself with food again is really going to make a huge change there. And then one final step in this process is consistently reminding yourself that having candy or having dessert or whatever that quote unquote forbidden or bad food is, is not going to ruin anything. It's not going to derail anything. There's no wagon that you're falling off of, right? Enjoying something indulgent from time to time, enjoying it mindfully is not going to undo any progress or have any earth shattering consequences. But we're led to believe that because of the way we've conceptualized these good foods versus bad foods. Nothing bad is going to happen if you have dessert. Even if you have dessert every single night, nothing bad is going to happen. So consistently remind yourself that, you know, having a treat, having 
regular treats isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's that we've been led to believe that it's a bad thing. Um, so that is really the final step in starting to let go of this moralization of food and start to heal your relationship with food. That's really what this comes down to. Um, you know, just like, you know, say there was a person in your life that you always assumed was a bad person. And then you start to see that, oh, actually, they're not really a bad person. Just didn't understand them. It's very similar, right? Those foods aren't really bad. You just didn't really understand what your relationship with them needed to be. And you are in charge of reframing that and morphing it into something that works better for you. Um, and that's really the key, better for you, right? My relationship with sweets is going to look very different from somebody else's relationship with sweets. My proportionality is going to look different from somebody else's proportionality when it comes to these, you know, whole foods, healthful foods, whatever you want to call them versus these, you know, baked goods and sweets and potato chips and that kind of thing. So keep in mind that this is also a process where comparing yourself to others is not going to be helpful. If anything, it's going to hold you back. So that is moralizing your food. And I, I just want to thank you for sending in your request to learn a little bit more about this topic. Um, I hope this was helpful and informative. That wraps up this week's episode of the Well and Simple podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any topics that you want me to explore in future episodes, any questions that you want me to answer, or even if you have any personal stories that you'd like to relate about any of the topics that have come up on this podcast, I really want to hear from you. You can email me at wellandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. And I would love to get that up onto a future episode of this podcast. The whole point in this podcast is for it to be useful and helpful and informative to you, my listeners. So if there are topics that you want to learn some more about or hear about, let me know. Again, it's wellandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to tune in next week for our next episode.